Today in business from Wired. The Science of Scaling, hosted by Mark Roberge, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Each week, Mark Roberge, founding CRO at HubSpot CRO, senior lecturer at Harvard Business School and co-founder of Stage 2 Capital, sits down with the most successful sales leaders in tech to learn the secrets, strategies, and tactics to scaling your company's growth. I like the episode with the founder of Aircall on how to go from handling your own sales to scaling a sales team. It has great advice for entrepreneurs. Listen to The Science of Scaling wherever you get your podcasts. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. Here's today's spoken edition of Wired. Fighting a wildfire in Texas. Watching a sinkhole swallow eight priceless sports cars. Cutting pollution with chainsaws. Hear Chubb customers tell their stories at chubb.com slash podcast. And stay tuned after the show to hear how a new broadband network will deliver the internet to 40 million people in Mexico. What did Cambridge Analytica really do for Trump's campaign? By Izzy Lepowski. News that Cambridge Analytica CEO Alexander Nix approached WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange last year to exploit Hillary Clinton's private emails has amplified questions about Cambridge's role in President Trump's 2016 campaign. Shortly after the Daily Beast reported Nix's contact with Assange on Wednesday, the Trump campaign's executive director sought to downplay Cambridge's role. Michael Glasner said in a statement that the Republican National Committee was the campaign's primary source of voter data. Any claims that voter data from any other source played a key role in the victory are false, Michael Glasner wrote. The statement did not respond to reporting in Wired and Elsewhere, revealing a close relationship between the Trump campaign and Cambridge staffers. Cambridge did not respond to Wired's request for comment. So, what gives? Such he-said-she-said battles are usually better left to beltway happy hours, but as Congress and Special Investigator Robert Mueller turn their spotlights on Cambridge Analytica in their probes into Russian meddling in the 2016 election, it's essential to get the facts straight about what the firm did and didn't do for the Trump campaign. Here is what we know. Cambridge worked both for the Trump campaign and a Trump-aligned super PAC. In June 2016, Cambridge sent three staffers, led by Chief Product Officer Matt Ochkowski, to the campaign's San Antonio office. Ochkowski's team eventually grew to 13 people, working under Trump Digital Director Brad Parscale and alongside his staff and outside consultants. According to Parscale, the Cambridge staff provided useful analysis of data about the American electorate. They did not, however, provide the raw data, things like demographic information, contact information, and data about how voters feel about different issues, 
on which that analysis was done. That may sound like a small distinction, but it's a crucial one. Ever since it burst onto the scene of American politics in 2015, Cambridge has trumpeted its massive data trove, boasting 5,000 data points on every American. Cambridge claims to have built extensive personality profiles on every American, which it uses for so-called psychographic targeting based on people's personality types. It is feared by some, including Hillary Clinton, for conducting a kind of psychological warfare against the American people, dismissed by others as snake oil. Both Parscale and Ochkowski have said repeatedly that the Trump campaign did not use psychographic targeting. Questions also have swirled about how Cambridge accumulated the data. Liberal voters, in particular, worried that their data had been harvested without their knowledge and used to elect Trump. But according to both Parscale and Ochkowski, the campaign didn't use Cambridge's trove of data, opting instead for the RNC's data file. The RNC was the voter file of record for the campaign, but we were the intelligence on top of the voter file, Ochkowski says. Sometimes the sales pitch can be a bit inflated, and I think people can misconstrue that. Parscale describes the firm's work this way. As I've said multiple times over prior statements, Matt Ochkowski and his team created a daily tracker of polling so that I could see how Trump was doing in key swing states. They provided that to me daily. Parscale says Cambridge also helped the campaign with what he calls persuasion online media buying. They also helped us identify potential donors, and they created a visualization tool that showed in each state which areas were most persuadable and what those voters care about. Cambridge Analytica was paid $5.9 million by the Trump campaign, according to Federal Election Commission filings, $5 million of which went toward buying television ads, with the remainder going to pay Ochkowski and his team. But that wasn't the only work Cambridge did for the campaign. Parscale says Cambridge's head of digital, Molly Schweikert, managed an advertising budget of roughly $12 million on behalf of Parscale's firm, Giles Parscale. It's a sizable but still small slice of the $94 million Giles Parscale was paid in total to purchase the campaign's ads. The Cambridge staff helped the campaign identify which voters in the RNC's data file were most likely to be persuadable, meaning they were undecided but looked likely to swing toward Trump. They also created lists of voters who were most likely to become donors. In August 2016, a Trump aide told me Cambridge was critical to helping the campaign raise $80 million in the prior month, after a primary race that had been largely self-funded by Trump. This was the only period during which Ochkowski's staff relied on Cambridge's data, because the RNC was just beginning to share its data with the Trump team. Cambridge went on to conduct hundreds of thousands of voter surveys for the Trump campaign to better understand the likely Trump voter, and sent a full-time staffer to the New York headquarters, who could relay these findings to senior staff, including Parscale. Based on these surveys, RNC data, data the Trump team collected itself, and commercially available information from data brokers, Ochkowski's team developed a heat map of the country, 
to pinpoint where Trump should visit to maximize his impact on potentially persuadable voters. Ochkowski views this as a collaborative effort between his team, the RNC, the campaign, and other vendors, including Deep Root Analytics, which helped the campaign target television ads. At the end of the day, when candidates win elections, it's a big team effort, he says. The RNC played a very important role in that team. Gary Coby, director of advertising at the RNC, managed the bulk of the campaign's advertising purchases on Facebook. The campaign famously ran 175,000 variations of the same ad on Facebook the day of the third presidential debate in October 2016, a tactic Kobe refers to as A-B testing on steroids. The RNC also ran the campaign's field operations and worked with Parscale to plan get-out-the-vote advertising campaigns on television and online. What's also clear, however, is that the Trump campaign seems to have ample motivation to distance itself from Cambridge, a firm whose tactics have sometimes raised questions. Adding to the intrigue is the fact that shadowy billionaire and Trump supporter Robert Mercer is Cambridge's main financial backer. Former Trump campaign manager and chief strategist to President Trump, Steve Bannon, also held a position on Cambridge's board. The company itself is an offshoot of the British firm SCL, which has roots in government and military operations. Now, Assange's confirmation that Cambridge's CEO wanted to join forces against Clinton has renewed suspicions about the company's business tactics, suspicions that the Trump team would very much like to avoid in the face of ongoing investigations into Russian meddling in the election. I had absolutely no understanding any of this was going on, and I was as surprised as anyone else when I saw the story about Nix's approach to Assange, Ochkowski says. During the campaign, he says his team was walled off from the rest of Cambridge because the company was also working with a Trump super PAC. Federal regulations prevent campaigns from coordinating with super PACs. Of the 13 Cambridge staffers who worked in Trump's San Antonio office, only four remain at the company. Still, for some in Congress, the web of connections among Nix, the campaign, and now Assange seems too close for comfort. The House Intelligence Committee has acquired Cambridge staffers' email records, which it is currently analysing for clues of inappropriate contact with foreign actors trying to meddle in the election. Next week, representatives from Facebook, Twitter and Google will testify before both the House and Senate Intelligence Committees and will likely face questions about their interactions with Trump's digital team and members of Cambridge's staff. And investigators will no doubt continue to question members of Team Trump about Nix's communication with Assange. The panels will be seeking answers. But as is often the case when it comes to Cambridge, each answer will likely only lead to more questions. This podcast was made possible by Chubb. Hear how this broadband network will change millions of lives in Mexico, right now. 40 million people in Mexico do not have access to the Internet. Our company, Altan Redes, is building a network that will connect them to the world. Chap wrote insurance policies that gave the Mexican government, our investors, and partners the confidence they needed to make this happen. 
They also cover our construction risk, damage to the network, and environmental exposure. For a project this complex, Chubb was the one. Hear more stories at chubb.com slash podcast. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.